It is good to be here this afternoon. And I thank you for staying and not running away. I appreciate that. And um, my wife is good at pointing out things that I have on my face as well. And uh, it's her specialty. <laughs> I would say I'm just kidding, but I'm really not kidding. It's good. It's going to be here this afternoon. Um, John chapter 4, if you would, go ahead and turn back there again. John chapter number 4. The pastor talked about eating and running, and I, I tried to, but I ate too much, so I couldn't run. And so here I am. And uh, that's not true. I, I couldn't run when I got here this morning. Um, anyway, um, I'm going to try to encourage you, if I can, very briefly. The uh, thing of faith promise, I'm not going to try to overstep or anything here. Is the Lord challenged our hearts on faith promise a long time ago, grace giving a long time ago. And I, I've taken part in it for years now. And missionaries, we, we, I don't, I don't, I don't put two cents for missionaries and give to grace giving. Um, if you take part from it, you better give back to it. I believe in that. But our our, our life, um, we're t- taking care of our family because of grace giving. And um, we left Alaska and we had a business and things things are doing okay there. And uh, we had a faith promise commitment. And uh, it was faith promise, grace giving, and we promised to give that. And uh, we left the business and everything there. Uh, we had nothing, and it was grace giving. I promised to give that for that year, and so we're told to give it. And uh, we were traveling back from here, to back east towards North Carolina. We were in somewhere in Montana, and I, I was arguing with the Lord over that thing because we had some property there in Alaska we were paying for, working on selling that, and all these things we're, we're trying to take care of uh, with no income to speak of. And uh, the Lord told us to give to Faith Promise, and uh, we promised to do that. And uh, it's not based on our income; it's based on His out, outpouring. And uh, the Lord told us to give, so we just, we just gave. And um, I said, Lord, I don't know how it's going to happen. You're going to have to take care of it. And we gave. The next day, he gave back to us again and took care of everything we needed. I can tell you story after story after story of Lord taking care of our family because of that promise, of fulfilling that promise. Um, very briefly, I'm getting lost or not. So me and my wife last September, um, September 4 last, and uh, been a long year, we were getting away for our anniversary, and we were down on the, the the coast, you don't go to the beach if you're Baptist, I guess. It's the coast, eastern coast. And we were there, and we were getting away for just a couple days. We were never had in quite some time. And our faith promise, it was coming up, and we didn't have a lot of income. We had, Lord had blessed and allowed us to take that trip and feel no expense to us. And anyway, we were there. And, uh, we knew that faith promise was coming. And we were there walking on the, on the beach, and we were just by ourselves. And out in the middle of nowhere, we saw something floating in the water. And you're probably going to think I'm crazy, not going to believe me, but saw something floating in the water. It was getting closer and closer and closer. We didn't know what it was. And, she was saying it's an otter, so they don't have those in South Carolina, I don't think, so trying to figure out what it was. And it finally got all the way in, it, it locked eyes with us, it was coming towards us. And it got in, it was a dog, soaking wet, been out there, had been lost at sea, a dog, trying to swim back to the shore. And it got in, and it had a collar, we, we got the collar and got the dog, and called the number on, on the collar, and the owner was very grateful, he'd been looking for his dog, and came flying over in his um, convertible Mercedes, and jumped out and gave us some cash, reward for finding his dog. And it was our faith promise for that week. No. The Lord can provide a coin in a fish's mouth to pay taxes. He can provide a, uh, some money in a dog's mouth to provide faith for faith promise. And uh, the Lord has ways to take care of what he's pro- If you promise to give, he's promised to give to you so you can give. And he'll repay you for it. I promise you he will. And I don't, I don't believe we'd be where we are today on, on deputation if we did not take part in that. And I do believe that. Lord bless you. Bless you for it. I don't know why I want to say all that. I just feel like I should. Uh, John chapter 4 this afternoon. We hear the end of the chapter here this morning. We're going to read down, starting at the beginning of the chapter, down to the, where I started earlier. I'm kind of backtracking here a little bit, but John chapter 4, verse number 1. It says, When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, 
Though Jesus himself baptized not but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh the one of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said there, Give me to drink, for his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the one of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is to say to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said to him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. For whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us this well, and drank there himself, and his children, and his cattle? And Jesus answered, said to her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call my husband and come hither. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said, Thou hast well said, I have no husband, for thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, and that saidest thou truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worship in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh. We shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman said to them, I know that Messiah is cometh, which is called Christ. When He has come, He will tell us all things. And Jesus said to them, I that speak unto thee am He. And upon this came His disciples, and marveled that they talked with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or why talkest thou with her? The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city, and saith to the men, Come, stand, man, which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. He said to them, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus said to them, I meet to the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. Say not ye are there at four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say, you lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages, and gathereth fruit in life eternal, that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And here is that saying true, one soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon you bestowed no labor. Other men labor, you are entered into their labors. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. And said the woman, Now we believe not because of thy same, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And after two days they departed thence and went into Galilee. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for allowing us to be in your house again this afternoon. Lord, thank you for the privilege to stand on this pulpit. Lord, I pray you help us today. Give me the words to say that need to be said. Garmelish saying these things that don't need to be said. Lord, I pray you use us here. Lord, I pray you get the glory of everything that's done this afternoon during this service. Lord, I pray you help us today. Great challenges in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to tell you, this, I'm nervous this afternoon preaching this message. I don't feel worthy to preach this message. I don't feel worthy to preach out of this passage here. I definitely have not arrived on this thing, to say the least. And I think most preachers probably agree with it. Usually we haven't arrived on what we're trying to preach, but the Lord's preached it to us before we preach it to you. Well, that's where I am this afternoon. I'm convicted by this passage here, and we'll get to that more later on. But the Lord's burdened my heart. 
Let's think of personal missions. If I wait till I get to Cordova, Alaska to try to be a missionary, nothing's probably not going to get done. Uh, missions starts now, and missions is here. Right now, wherever you are, missions is right there. Wherever it is, that's where mission. You don't wait to get the mission. You don't wait to retire to start doing something for the Lord. You start doing something now. You, you, if you're not, if you're going to wait till later, you're never going to get there. Pastor mentioned those verses earlier. Ecclesiastes eleven four. We we already been there this morning. I believe God could come back any second of any day now. I believe we better get busy. I believe we can probably all agree on that. I believe the Lord's coming back soon. And if, if you don't believe that, look at the news. Well, then you'll probably agree with me. I believe the Lord's coming back soon. Coming back any day now. Our nation, we can complain about politics and all those things. I'm not going to get into all that this, this afternoon. But we can look at those things and complain about the, the condition of our country. If nothing else, spiritually, we can complain about the spiritual condition of our country. And there's a lot of other conditions as well. But I'm not going to get into all those either. But I'm thankful for God's mercy on our nation. I believe we, we deserve a whole lot worse. What we have, we're killing our babies. We've got sodomites. We deserve a whole lot worse than what we have right now. But our nation's in the best spot. And we can look at that and we try to find the, the cure for that. We can look for politicians and this politician, that politician. You're not going to find the cure for anything in any politician. We know that. We know that we talked about this morning as well. We can talk about those things. What is going to fix them here? We can talk about the problems all day long. If we don't talk about a solution, we're just, we're just wasting time. What's going, to fix our, what's going to fix the spiritual condition of our country? It's not a politician. We know that. We, we, we understand this. We're on the same page here. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the only thing that can fix our nation. Jesus Christ is the only thing that can fix it. People are lost and dying, going to hell. That's the, problem. That's the reason our nation's in the spot they're in right now. We can agree that they, our nation needs the Lord. They need the gospel. We know that. And we have the gospel here this afternoon. We, we have it here in the church. And many of you, I hope, I hope all of you are saved. I don't know if, you, if you're not. You better get saved if it's too late. But I hope you're all saved this afternoon. So you know the gospel. Our nation needs the gospel, and you know the gospel. And I know the gospel. So if our nation needs the gospel, and the gospel is going to fix our nation, what have we done personally to fix it? We can step back and look at the big picture and say, well, I'm never going to need the president. I can't give him the gospel. It starts with one person. It starts with your neighbor. It starts with your family. It starts with a co-worker. What have you done personally about fixing the spiritual condition in our country? The problem for our country is they don't know the gospel. The majority of our nation, this isn't very kind, but the majority of our nation is dying and going to hell today without the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we have what they need to get, that, to get that problem fixed. What have we done personally to fix it? The lady down at the bank, the lady down at the coffee shop, do you know where she's going to spend eternity? Have you asked her about it? Do you know? It's your responsibility. It's your responsibility just as much as it is mine to get the gospel out. This message is like said, it's not going to be very fun or entertaining. Or it's convicted me on this thing. I can't get away from it. I don't want to preach this afternoon. To be honest with you, this is what's on my heart today. Probably not going to make you feel real good when you leave this afternoon, but it'll be all right. All that food will make up for it. What's I'm trying my best to preach on this simple thought very briefly, and I'll let you out of here on the urgency of missions. I'll walk through this passage here very, very briefly. Look at this Samaritan woman. We'll see her condition, her salvation, and her commission. We'll step back and look at these, these disciples and see the same three things as well. These Samaritans, you may know, they're not a very desirable people from the Jews' point of view. The Jews don't want anything to do with these, these Samaritans. They're, they're half-breeds, if you will, not very politically correct, but that's what they are, half-Jew, half-Gentile. And the Jews don't want anything to do with them. They do all they could to avoid coming in contact with Samaritans. They didn't want anything to do with them. They didn't want to walk through their country. They would cross the Jordan River, go around Samaria to get to Galilee just to avoid walking through Samaria, just to avoid coming in contact with a Samaritan. So the Jews didn't want anything to do with these Samaritans. But Jesus, in the beginning of this passage, he is leaving Jerusalem there in the south, going north to Galilee, and he says he must needs pass through Samaria. Verse number 3, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee, and he must needs go through Samaria. 
Why must he need to go through Samaria? Well, it's on the way. It'd probably be the shortest route he could possibly take, but he'd probably be one of the only Jewish men walking that way in quite some time. It'd be a rare thing for a Jewish men to walk that way. But yet Jesus said he must needs to go through Samaria. Why must he needs go through Samaria? He has an appointment with a Samaritan woman at the well. She doesn't know about it yet, but he's got plans there to meet her at the well. So we see this Samaritan woman. We see her condition, her state in society. Verse number six. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being weary with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me to drink. She's drawing water at midday. The sixth hour, according to the way the Jewish calendar works, the Sunday school, the seventh hour would be one o'clock, sixth hour would be noon, middle of the day. Midday, from what I've understood, is a strange time, and they'd be out drawing water. She's out by herself drawing water at midday. She should be with a group of ladies at morning time or evening time drawing water. She's by herself in the middle of the day drawing water at the well. And then Jesus shows up. We find this woman alone. Why would she do that? To make sure she's by herself. Make sure she wasn't with anybody else. Her condition is she's an outcast. She's not popular. She's a nobody. From the sin we'll see here in just a minute, she probably has plenty of gossip going on in town about her and what the lifestyle she has lived and is currently living. She's a nobody by herself drawing water alone at midday. She's an outcast because she's a Samaritan. And from what we can see here, she's most likely an outcast amongst the Samaritans. She's a nobody. We see her state in sin, verse number 16. Skip around a little bit here in this passage. We'll come back to this verse to skip. But verse 16, Jesus said to her, Go call thine husband and come hither. The woman answered, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, Thou hast well said, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that said us truly. I like how Jesus just beats around the bush here with this woman. She's a nobody from nowhere, Samaria, living life full of sin. Romans 6.23, we know the verse, the way to sin is death. She's a nobody from nowhere, living life full of nothing good, headed for death and hell without Jesus. Have you ever been there before? A nobody from nowhere, headed to hell without Jesus. Have you ever been lost before? Maybe you weren't an outcast. You don't have to be an outcast. Maybe you're popular with this world. But if you're saved this afternoon, you can agree that you were at some point or another in your life, you were indeed a nobody headed to hell without Jesus. And that's the condition we find her in as Jesus comes to her here at the well. If we could just realize who we are and where we could be without Jesus, we'd have a whole lot bigger burden for those that still are nobodies headed to hell without Jesus. I think a lot of times it's very easy for us to forget about where we've come from or where we could be. Easy for me anyway. God's blessed us so much over and over and over again. It's easy to forget about where we could be without Him. If it weren't for God's grace and His mercy, I'd just be a religiously lost man sitting in the pew, lost and dying and going to hell. If you're going to do anything for God about His urgency for missions, you have to remember who you were and where you could be without Him. Put yourself in their position. Look back and remember your state in sin. Thanks be to God, I haven't had five husbands like her. I haven't had any husbands, thank goodness. Just one wife. Get that later on. Make sure I point that out ahead of time. If we just realize and look back and remember where we could be without Jesus, lost and dying and going to hell today, that's where we all. That's where I deserve to be today. So every last one of us deserves to be today. We don't deserve to be in the house of God this afternoon. But God's grace, His mercy, has allowed us to, to see the gospel. He saved our soul. If you're saved this afternoon, I don't know if you are or not. I hope you are. We have privilege to be in the house of God this afternoon. What about you? What's your condition? She's a nobody, an outcast, lost, headed to hell without Jesus. What about you this afternoon? If you died right now, do you know for sure where you're going to spend eternity? I understand where I am. I know we're in the afternoon service, and I'm, it's probably the core group here. So I understand that. But the rest of this message is not going to mean very much to you if you're not saved. The rest of it is not going to amount to really anything if you don't have this first part settled. Are you saved this afternoon? If not, 
You better get that settled first. Romans 6, 23, I already read part of it. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And thank for that conjunction, but the gift of God. No matter if you're a Jew or Samaritan or a Gentile hog like I am, Jesus came to save the way. He came to save whosoever believeth in him. What's your condition? We see our, out, we see our condition. We see our salvation. It starts there, I believe, in verse number 7. We see our desire. There come the woman Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me to drink. Jesus walked all this way from Jerusalem to here in Sychar. Samaria's physical body is tired, no doubt. The disciples are going to the city to buy meat. It says, Jesus sits down on the edge of the well. Samaritan woman shows up, and he starts the conversation. He says, hey, give me to drink. Remember when he started, he said, hey, you remember when he convicted your heart? and said, hey, give me, hey, you're a sinner. Hey, give me to drink. You remember that conviction? Verse number 9, then said the woman of Samaria to him, how is it that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Said, Who do you think you are? Why are you talking to me? Of all people, why are you talking to me? Verse 10, Jesus answered unto her, if thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is to say to thee, give me to drink, that was have asked of him, he would have given thee living water. First, he just asked her for a drink. Now, I said, if you knew what I could do for you, you'd be the one asking me for the drink. She's confused. She thinks she's talking about actual literal water here. She argues some back and forth. In the next verses, she says, you don't have anything to draw with, for the well is deep. She basically says, who do you think you are? Verse number 12, art thou better than our father Jacob? She argues with them back and forth. He responds to her, verse number 13. Jesus answered unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. So now we're getting somewhere. It's getting to more than just this water here. She's starting to desire this thing. Verse 15. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. We see her desire. She didn't know what he's talking about. She just doesn't want to come to draw the water anymore. But she just wanted whatever it was that Jesus had. You remember when you just wanted whatever it was that Jesus had? He, he had something. These, these folks are saved. They got something I don't have. You remember when your desires were his desire? You just wanted whatever it was that he has, whatever it was that the Word of God was. That's, that's what you wanted, whatever it was. You may not understand all of it, but you wanted to take part in it. You may not understand anything to do with grace giving, talking about this morning. You just want part of that peace, the part of that blessing from it. Jesus says, I, I can work with that. And he begins to reveal, reveal to her the real reason for her thirst. She had a life full of sin. She's in need of a Savior. She says, give me this water. He says, okay, but first, you've got to know why you're thirsty. See, realization of her sin, verse 16. Already read some of those verses. Jesus said, go call the husband and come hither. Already read the next ones there. We know what happens. Jesus points out to her state and sin. She wants the living water. She doesn't, know what it, what it, she doesn't even know what he's talking about just yet. She's talking about actual water, but she knows that she wants what Jesus has. And he says, okay, but first you've got to realize your sin. And friend, have you ever truly realized your state in sin? Have you ever been lost before? Many times I ask people if they've ever been saved. Well, have you ever been lost? You've got to get lost before you get saved. Don't ask for directions. You realize you don't know where you're going. Jesus begins to reveal to her how he knows all about her marriage problems and about her sin. Verse 19, she, the woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. You know things you ought not know about me. There's something different about Jesus. Verse 20. She gets very religious on Jesus. That always happens. Point out somebody sent to them, they get very religious. So tell me how, how they used to go to church, how the grandpa built the church. At least in North Carolina way. Verse 20. You'd be surprised how many people in our county have built Maple Grove Baptist Church. I don't know how. If, if everybody said, built the church, they said to build the church, it'd be huge. But anyway, verse 20. 
our fathers worship in this mountain. You said in Jerusalem is a place for men not to worship. Jesus said, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh. We shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship, you know not what. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit. They that worship must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to them, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When He has come, He'll tell us all things. Jesus said, I am speaking of thee and He. Jesus speaks to her. She desires what He has. He reveals her sins to her. She accepts the sin. She doesn't argue the fact what the sin she's been living in. She gets very religious. He tears down her false beliefs. She says, well, when, the Christ, when Christ gets here, he'll, he'll tell us all things. She's looking for Christ, and then he reveals himself to her. I have speaking of the enemy. I'm the one you've been waiting. I'm the Messiah you're waiting for. See the plan of salvation right here in this passage. You have to desire what Jesus has. You have to realize your lost state and sin. You have to realize your only hope is in Jesus Christ, and then believe in who he is. And then suddenly there's an interruption. Verse 27, it always, happen, always happens that way. It says, and upon this came his disciples. Right at this crucial point, there's a distraction. It never fails. The Lord's at work in the heart. The devil's going to do all he can to put us. He's going to do it, throw every distraction he can possibly, possible in, way, in the way. And see, it didn't matter here. The truth had already taken root in her heart here. Just the next couple of verses down, she's also telling others that he is indeed the Christ. She believed in Jesus. I believe she got saved right there. Now, has that ever happened to you before? Have you ever realized your state and sin? Have you, have you realized what your sin is going to do to you? Have you ever realized your hopeless state and sin? Have you ever trusted in this finished work on Calvary to save your soul? Are you saved today? If not, you better get that settled first. Like I said earlier, don't go to a church like this that has the gospel being preached and give, given to missions all across the world and leave here and die and go to hell yourself. Don't send a missionary to China to get somebody else the gospel while you sit here and die and go to hell. What a shame. What a waste of life that would be. Are you 100% sure where you're going to spend eternity. We see her commission, verse 28. Jesus didn't have to give it to her. There's something inside of her that had come out. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And then they went to the city and came unto him. She left her water pot. Why? She doesn't need it no more. She's got a lot bigger business to attend to. There's a well of water springing up inside of her. She came out there to draw water. Now she's full of water, spring up inside of her. She had so much, so much so, she had to go tell everybody she could about it. Disciples show up. She turns, runs back to town again. Talks about the men. She went and told the men in the city. Some people get caught up on who those men were. The Bible wants to know what it would told us who the men were. But she went and told the men in the city. Well, what did she tell them? She just told them what he had done for her. She didn't have a college degree. She hadn't been to Bible college yet. She hadn't even started discipleship classes yet. But she knew one thing, and that's what Jesus has just, just done for her. Just a couple chapters down in chapter number 9. That blind man says, this is one thing I know. Whereas I was blind, now I see. They asked him who Jesus was. He said, I can't tell you who this Jesus is, but I can tell you what he's done for me. You don't have to go to Bible college for four years and attend a Baptist church for 20 years to tell somebody else about the gospel. Just go tell them what he's done for you. You say, well, I, don't, I, don't know what to, I don't know what to say. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. She immediately had to go tell everybody else everything she, everything she knew about Jesus. Come see me and told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? We see her commission. It was just inside of her and had to come out. Jesus didn't tell her, you go back in town and tell everybody you could. She just had to go do it. Because there's a well of water springing up inside of her that had to come out. If something changes down inside of you, like a change down inside of her, it's going to come out somewhere. Don't get me wrong, your flesh isn't going to like it. 
Your flesh will do everything it can to put a stop to the gospel getting spread. Your flesh will tell you you don't have time or they tell you that they're not going to listen. The devil will do all he can and your flesh will do all it can to put a stop to the gospel getting out. But if something as big as God moves in, it's going to have to come out somewhere, sometime. See what happened to her. We see her position. We see, we see her salvation. We see her commission. We see these disciples very briefly. I'm not, I'm not going to take too long this afternoon. I know you're tired. You all get your bellies full. I understand. See disciples. See their condition. What's their spiritual condition? Well, they're Jesus' disciples. They have all been handpicked out by a chosen of God to be the closest 12 that would travel with them and sometimes perform miracles themselves and get to be up close and personal with Jesus Christ while he's here on earth. I believe all except for one, Judas, I believe they're all saved. Even Jesus called him a devil. We can look at their fruit now and he had some pretty rotten fruit, but I believe most of them, I believe the majority of them were saved. I believe they're good men. I believe these men loved the Lord. I believe they loved Jesus. I believe they believed in who Jesus was. I believe they believed he was the Son of God. They knew, they knew why he had to come. Jesus had, they had questions about some different things. They had questions many times. He explained some things to them. But they had faith in who Jesus was. These are good men, good and faithful men that any pastor would love to have behind him, supporting him and traveling with him. They're hard workers. And right, they had questions at times, of course, and stuck their foot in their mouth many times. We do that too. But they're faithful. We see their condition. Samaritan woman, a very spiritually, very, or even physically, a very poor, very bad condition. These disciples, I'm not, God's not a respecter of man, don't get me wrong here, but these disciples, they're, they're literally handpicked out by God to follow him around and minister to him while he's here on earth. Spiritually, we would say, they're pretty good condition. We don't have all their salvations recorded here in the scriptures. You can see a little when Jesus called them to be his disciples in the beginning of this book of John. Some of them, many of them were already John, John the Baptist's disciples when they became Jesus' disciples. Just bear with me and, and understand these men would be a picture of some good church, maybe even deacons, many of them are preachers. What are they doing in this passage? Verse number 8 tells us where they've been. First disciples are gone away into the city to buy meat. What are they doing? They're doing their job, caring for Jesus. It's their job to care for the earthly body of Jesus. They, they, this is what they're doing. The entire ministry is doing, doing that. They've gone to the city to buy meat. They're not out doing any wicked thing that we can read about anyway. They're, in fact, doing what they should be doing. They're going to buy meat. It's safe to say that Jesus is hungry. He's thirsty. No doubt he's probably hungry as well. Jesus never performs any miracles to help his flesh. He knows what it's like to be thirsty. He knows what it's like to be hungry. He never did. He could have just commanded that well to fill up with water and scooped it off the top if he wanted to. He didn't do that. He could just command his flesh not to be thirsty anymore. He didn't do that. So knows what it's like. So they've gone to the city to buy meat. Verse 27 tells us when they come back. And upon this came his disciples and marveled to talk with the woman. Yet no man said, What seekest thou, or I talkest thou with her? They're confused. They marveled that he talked with the woman. It's very likely, if we just put the, see this picture here, this woman's coming out of town, come to the well. His disciples are going into town in the city to buy meat. They come out of town back to the well. She goes back from the well back to town. It's very likely they passed this woman by on their way into town, coming to, coming to draw water. It's very likely that they did. And we know that they marvel that Jesus talked with her, so they know, we know that they didn't talk with her. They marvel that Jesus talked with her. Verse 31. And the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, saying, Master, eat. He said, I have meat to eat that you know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Jesus said, Then my meats will live him that sent me and to finish his work. What are they doing? As far as I can find absolutely nothing wrong. They're caring for Jesus. They're doing good work. Doing a very good work here. What is he teaching them? Although it may be a good work, it's not the only work. It's not the best work. 
He says something very profound. He says, my meat's through the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. He says, I've got a lot bigger things I'm dealing with right now than just this feeding my flesh. It's a, we have a picture of that one in the Messianic Psalms, Psalms 40, verse 8. I delight to thy will, O oh my God. Yea, thy law is within my heart. Jesus says, I delight to thy will. And John, he says, my meat's through the will of him that sent me. He just wants to do what the Father sent him to do, and that's going to fulfill him. You want to find something that's fulfilling in your life? Just do what the Lord's told you to do. Fulfill what the Lord would have you to do. There's nothing that compares to being a center of God's will. Nothing is what that can compare to being where God's told you to be. Nothing compares to it. These disciples are doing a good work, doing their job. But friend, there's a better work to be doing at the same time. I don't know what your job here at church is, whether it's mowing the grass or whether it's driving the bus or whether it's sweeping the floors or taking out the trash, whatever it is. Those are all good things, necessary things that need to be done. And thank you, whoever does that, thank you for keeping the house of God clean. No visitor wants to come to the dirty church. Nobody wants to be part of that. These things have to be done. Maybe take whatever it is. Thank you for being faithful and keep on being faithful to do those things. Lord will bless it. Lord take care of you for blessing, taking care of the house of God. But there's a great work to be doing at the same time. It's very easy, at least for me, to neglect the great work of giving the gospel or we're busy doing a good work. We're trying our best to get to Alaska, Port of Alaska, to build a church. That's our heart. That's what the Lord's called us to do. That's, that's what we're trying our best to get there here on deputation. Or some people, they think we're on vacation. But anyways, this is a little different than that. Very, very busy all the time, traveling here and there and everywhere and scheduling all kinds of things we've got to take care of. It's very, very easy for me to get so busy on the phone, everything else we're doing. It's easy to get very busy doing the good work of trying our best to get to the mission field. But even me personally neglect to do the great work of getting the gospel out right now. It's very easy to do. We see disciples' condition, their salvation. We see their commission. This is really the whole thrust of the message here, verse 35. Say not you that four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I said, you lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white, already to harvest. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit into life eternal. That both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. Get a picture of the missions right there. And here's that strange truth. One soweth and another reapeth. I sent you to reap that while you bestowed no labor. Other men labor, you're entered into their labors. It's really the whole point here, verse 35. There are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say, you lift up your eyes, look on the fields. They're a white already to harvest. I believe Jesus is looking back over these people from Samaria, from Sychar and Samaria, coming out to the world to him, coming out of town. He's looking on the field for their white ready to harvest. Well, the disciples were passing on by the harvest. The time of harvest is now. If it was now then, you better believe it's now, now. If we're going to get the harvest in, we've got to do it now. I believe the Lord's coming back soon. We talked about that earlier. I believe he's coming back very, very, very soon. You better get busy. A friend of mine, he says this about this passage. He says, we may have four more months. But they might not. Maybe you have time. Maybe you're saved. I hope you are. Maybe you're saved. Maybe you have time. Maybe you can afford to neglect to give the gospel. Maybe you say, well, I'll tell them next time. And maybe it won't affect you. It won't affect your life immediately at all. Maybe you have four more months. That might be their last time they ever hear the gospel. You might have time. They might not. People dying and going, literally dying and going to hell today. It's our job to get the gospel to them. We talk about that. It's easy, it's easy to say something like that. It's a whole lot harder thing to live that. It's easy to say. It's a hard thing to comprehend. There are folks in Alaska dying and going to hell now. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to get there now. There's folks here dying and going to hell today. We better get busy. You may not do all the reaping, 
Maybe, maybe you feel like you don't ever do any reaping. Maybe you feel like all you do is a lot of sowing, a lot of seed planting. He says, but one soweth another reapeth. He says, but this is a good thing. He says, but they rejoice together. You just do your part, let God do his part. And then he says, they're all rejoiced together. There is no reaping if there is no sowing, so just keep on reaping. But they'll rejoice together. The disciples are doing a lot of good work here. They're walking on by the best work they ever could do. And that's getting the gospel to a lost and dying Samaritan woman. This is your missions emphasis month. Promising to give your money to the work of the Great Commission's grace giving. I commend you for it. We have talked about it earlier. You ought to do it. I promise you, God will bless you for it. I promise you, He'll take care of you for it. I believe we were going to get on that. It's a good work. It really is a good work. It doesn't give you the right to neglect the great work at the same time. Don't leave this missions meeting thinking missions is only overseas, Belarus, Ukraine, or in Alaska. Giving's a good work. You give your, your co-worker the gospel tomorrow morning, that's the best thing you ever could do. You're not saved to never do anything else about it. You're saved to serve, saved to get the gospel out. If our, if our job was done after we're saved, we, we would have been out of here. We've got a job to do. You might have time. You might have four more months. They might not. Back to Samaritan one real quick and we will close. Verse 39. And many of the Samaritans in that city believed on him for the saying of the woman, which testified, he told me all that ever I did. I love that verse there. They believed on him for the saying of the woman. Just this, this nobody outcast Samaritan woman. Her life was changed, and people believed because of her testimony. Verse 40. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him that he would tarry with them. And he abode there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. And said, well, not, now we believe not because of that thing. We have heard him ourselves and know this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. After two days, he departed thence and went to Galilee. Many believed just because of her testimony. And then verse 41, many believed him because of his own word. She just, she just got a start. I believe a revival broke out there in Sychar. People were saved because they simply believed the word of God. He said, well, that can't happen in our day. Preacher is different then. I understand it's a different time we live in today, but what, what is different here in this passage that we don't have today? This is an outcast people. They're Samaritans. They're not Jews. There are no miracles performed in this passage. Simply the truth was spoken. Seeds were planted, and they simply they were saved because they believed the Word of God. What do they have there? I understand Jesus is there in person. Jesus, He's with us today. If we're two or three gathered together, He's with us in the midst. They believe because the Samaritans decided, you know what? i got to go tell them what Jesus has done for me. She didn't go in this big, long dialogue what, who Jesus was. She just told him, come see him and told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? And many believed in Jesus because of that. So my question for you this afternoon is this. Which one of these two are you? Are you a Samaritan woman? Have you ever been saved before? Have you ever been lost before? If you died right now, do you know for sure where you're going to spend eternity? It's a very important question. Maybe many of us, I believe, many like these disciples. They're saved, doing a good work. They're faithful, doing their best to be faithful. They're just stuck in the motions and missing the opportunity to share the gospel. When's the last time you thought about where you, where you could be if you weren't saved? When's the, last time you, when's the last time you had a burden to give somebody else the gospel? Most churches we go to have the nice big track rack at the back. Many of them nowadays, many of them are just decoration. I don't know who to give it to, preacher. Give everybody you can. You're going to get the judgment seat of Christ. I'm going to say, well, why would you give the gospel to so-and-so? It's, not, it's for whosoever believeth on him. I believe that. 
I believe it's not one that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. I believe that. I've not arrived on this thing. I'm telling you, I fail on this thing every day. It's intimidating me to try to preach on this. I'm not an expert on any of these things. I'm burdened about it. I want to do better. I'm burdened about this thing. It's very simple. Our flesh makes it a lot more complicated than it really is. It really is simple. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. These tracts, the gospel is not outdated. The gospel still works. It may not be popular. It never has been popular. The gospel still works. What's the point? The seed's still good seed. It still works. Say that you there at four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, it's saying you lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. It's time we get busy. I believe what's coming back soon. We talked about that. I believe we better get busy. We don't have much time left. He said, they, they won't listen to me, preacher. Look at that parable of the sower. Other than gospels. Gospel Luke mentions it, many some others. The parable of the sower. Jesus tells them just the sower, sower sowing the seed, the good seed. The majority of the seed that he sows falls on ground that doesn't want anything to do with it. It's snatched up, the birds pluck it away, it falls on the rocks and different things. One third or one fourth of the ground that the seed was cast into sprung up. Most of it wasn't going to accept the seed. He said, just keep on casting the seed. You keep on sowing the seed. Everywhere he goes, sow the seed. So you don't worry about the soil. You just sow the seed and sow the seed and sow the seed. Let the Holy Spirit work on that soil. And get that thing under, get the, the person under conviction. Let the Holy Spirit save them. You couldn't save them. I can't save them. The Holy Ghost can. You just sow the seed. He said, I think a song as a kid. I guess y'all did. I did. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. I don't know a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. It's a fun song for kids. Easy song to sing as a kid. It's a whole lot harder thing to live as an adult. I challenge you. Get your pocket full of gospel tracts, whatever it is you do here. Get busy. I looked at it last night. There's almost, like 950, close to a million people in Pierce County. Surely there's somebody you'll see on the way home is dying and going to hell this afternoon. Got to get busy. Don't get so caught up in the good works. Forget the best work. I'm not giving you, I'm not telling you to forget and neglect the good works. The vacuum, the floor still needs to be vacuumed. Trash still needs to be taken out. Grace giving still needs to be, still needs to be given. There's better work to be doing at the same time. Well, it's not a good time for me, preacher. Your pastor already covered that. Ecclesiastes 11.4, he observeth the wind shall not sow. He regardeth the clouds shall not reap. If you're waiting for a good time to give, it's not going to come. If you're waiting for a good time to give the gospel, it's not going to come. Better get busy. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep sowing the seed. And keep on sowing. He'll provide the harvest. You just keep on sowing. Pastor.